all got that voice in our head that tells us we can't do stuff. But some people are just better at not listening to it. And by sitting down with those people, asking them questions, and then you know, recording it and blasting it out on the internet, perhaps, maybe, I can help other people like me get out of our own way. Hey guys, welcome back to Closure Optional. My guest this week is Philip J. Watt. He is a social and political activist, I would say, and is currently working as a hypnotherapist in Coffs Harbor. So when we traveled down there last weekend, I got to uh, visit him and interviewed him. And this is a very cool conversation about the different ways that we can help ourselves and through helping ourselves help the general society at large, and hopefully, for God's sakes, our planet. Um, You can see more of what Philip has done on his YouTube channel. It's called Dissect Media, and he's got a bunch of different videos up there about uh, different ways of thinking about the world. He um, Social ideas, political ideas, spirituality ideas, some wacky shit, there's some normal shit. It's all cool, different ways of thinking about the nature of the world that we live in. He's also written for some alternative media publications like uh, The Mind Unleashed is a good example. And um, you can find him on Facebook at Philip J. Watt. I'll have links to all these on my website as usual. And a quick thank you again. The only reason I was able to do this podcast out there in the world on the road during May Venture is because of our Patreon page. page <laughs> because of our patrons at Patreon. And that means uh, anybody that wants to support the podcast financially, you can go and do whatever amount you're comfortable with. The suggested thing is five bucks a month, which is sort of less than a cup of coffee. The idea is if you like what I'm doing and you think, hey, fuck it, that was a nice conversation. I'd like to give Lorna a cup of coffee if I saw her in real life. You can, and you can do that at patreon.com. So um, the people that are currently supporting the podcast have uh, allowed me to purchase a upgrade to our horrifically 1927 setup, and now I can take the podcast on the road. So that was fucking awesome. I really appreciate it, you guys. If otherwise to support the podcast, of course, if you don't have the money or don't feel like doing that, you can um, just tell your friends about it, like it on iTunes, like my pages on social media, whatever. Do what you want. Keep sending me messages. It's always really fun. Uh, We were looking for suggestions this week on how to travel across the country and where we should go, and I really appreciate everybody sending me messages and telling me where to go. That was awesome. Um, so next week is the end of May venture. We've had a lot of fun adventures and I've recorded a podcast about our trip. So hopefully you guys will get to hear that one soon. But for now, please enjoy this lovely conversation between myself and Philip Watt while we were traveling in Coffs Harbor. Hi. Welcome. Thank you for doing this podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Lorna. Yeah, man. And inviting me to your lovely office in your hometown. Well, almost your hometown. Have you ever lived in Coffs proper? No. No. No, I've been in the Belgian area for about three years. Uh, my partner has had a deep fondness of living in that in Bello for a long time. Me only the last sort of five or so years. But when I moved to Belgian, or just before, I'd already locked in the property that we we're going to uh, be living at. And I went to the museum because I the um, museum in Belgium because I knew that 
we had some family that traced back to cops. So I went to the museum and asked them about it and tried to work out a bit of our history. And as it turns out, my great-great-grandmother, I think that's the, the level of it, but she, she was the daughter of the two families that first settled in Belgium, oh, wow. which is the Purcell and Wood family. And so I'm deeply connected to Belgian right back in, on, on my mother's side, at least anyway. So I feel like I came home in a way. Yeah, like yeah. Coming home full circle. Interesting story, that. Yeah, man. Oh, that's interesting. And so you wouldn't, you didn't know anything about it. And then you were like, oh, I'm going to go to Bellingen. And, and then all of a sudden, well, shit, this is where we come from. Yeah. Well, I had been, before this, I was in Sydney for about six years doing uh, more social work for the state government, helping families on the ground. And before that, I was in, in Canberra for a few years doing uh, federal policy, um, basically project management, that sort of thing. And then before that, I was in Europe for a year, but then Newcastle, Central Coast, more or less for my upbringing. So I wasn't really in, well, in, on the Central Coast, we're in a beautiful place on the lake surrounded by bush. So that was really cool. Right. But most of the time I've been in city urbanised environments and I just had this longing of getting out and being yeah, in a place man. where, you know, I feel good, good energy, not that dense, um, yeah, materialistic type energy. So mm. I had that desire to do so. I wasn't sure, sure where we wanted to go. Nicole had that, that fondness of, of bellow and uh, and I just, I really appreciate the, you know, you know the hippie type um, <laughs> energy. I'm a hippie at heart. Um, but you know, really just, uh, care about, I'm deeply philosophical and spiritual as a person. So I like to be around people who like to think a little bit larger than uh, just the, the standard consumerist type model, uh, and materialistic model that we've been born into. So, um, yeah, I definitely wanted to get around a, a really good energy of people and be around more natural, uh, conditions as well. And that was it. And we did it. And then suddenly... I found out that hit that history, so yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Beautiful synchro mysticism of life, <laughs> and there's been many of them. Yeah, fuck. I know that's Carl Jung's whole thing. That idea, like you know what path you're on when you start seeing synchronicity line up. So that's a cool thing. Um, it's funny with country towns as well. You you can go one direction or the other, can't you? Like when you get out into rural communities, sometimes it's like either it's really locked down and shut down and set in their ways, or it's really open minded and free thinking and and you were here starting a sustainable farm originally, right? You you were cook, you were making grown food. Yeah, well, yeah. I had an organic farm that we started to sell commercially, you know, our food commercially to mm. um, local business um, and in Coffs and both in Belgium. and I was doing many things. I was doing some life coaching as well um, online, and I just I'd had enough of the system. I'd been trying to. Uh, influence well not trying to or had influence the best I could with the the circumstances I was in to influence the bureaucracy and the people around me in terms of how they were treating their clients and the services they're providing and just the general culture it was that, quite it was quite toxic yeah that's yeah that's for the state government I was mm. working for family and community services which is facts all the the new type of docs and look, there's some great people there, and I'm not going to totally diss the whole thing. There's a lot of kids that do need a lot of support, and community infrastructure isn't in place. Our communities are uh, disenfranchised, but also um, 
degraded on many levels. They're broken down on many ways and, and not integrated to the level they should be. So mm. I believe that communities themselves should be taking care of these families and kids and lifting them up. I don't think it really needs to be a, a government role. But unfortunately, that's the situation that we're in right now, regardless of it is the, the, that particular system's fault if they're responsible for the, mm. the continual breakdown. But look, actually, no, I will say that the people have the ultimate responsibility of this is something I've been pushing through my work for a long time. It's not the government's fault. It's not the parents' fault. It's not um, our ex-partner's fault. It's not the system's fault. It's not the multinational's fault. It's not the oligarch's fault. It's not the reptilian's fault. <laughs> it's, it's, it's our fault. We're, well, it's our responsibility. I mm. wouldn't like to look at it negative. It's just we have the power. The people have the power, plain and simple. We just aren't exercising it or we're exercising it in a poor way. If we want to shift our reality, it is up to us to rise above our, our pseudo-divisions, this yeah. left and right stuff, a whole ton of stuff, rise above it and go, well, what do we really want? What is our collective focus? What, are we, what is it that we all have as a shared um, goal? And I think a lot of times the issue with um, some grassroots activism is that a lot of people don't actually have that experience inside inside that world to see actually where it is right and where it is wrong because we tend to from the outside be like man fuck the government the government fucking sucks <laughs> but you don't actually have any idea of how what is good about what's going on with the government why we have one and how it, systems could be improved from the inside out and how because at the end of the day we have got to all work together to change this system for the better and you touched on something that I think is uh, probably would cover three hours of conversation just in one topic but it's this resistance to so we we have a government that's in place to make these changes we can all see that changes needs to happen need to happen and you said it's our responsibility as the people to make these changes happen but we just need to be aligned to a goal and the real question is what is the fucking goal we don't know why we're here um, metaphysically really i mean and rarely do many people spend time thinking about why do i exist what's the point of my being why should I be here? And if you think about it in a fractal sense, if I understood my purpose for being, then I could allow each action to align myself to a purpose of being. And in theory, if I did that and everyone else I knew did that, we could all be aligning ourselves to a purpose of being together forward. So in your opinion, do you have a rough idea of where we should be heading? Well, I would say that it's not... It's better not to look at it as a goal, but as a destination. Oh, sorry, as a journey, not a destination. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> Excuse me. The, a lot of people within the New Age community, and I don't just mean sort of rainbows and lollipops New Age, I mean the whole New Age community, Gnosticism, New Thought, the whole, the whole, the whole package of moving from the old guard to the new guard, to the new way of seeing, um, moving away from the materialists, um, dogma, scientific materialism, moving away from a whole host of uh, very dense, um, backwards, disconnected, disengaged, fragmented ways of operationalizing your social system. We're moving into um, a different process, a, a different way of not just seeing and hearing and feeling, but also like being. And that's a, that's a very thing about. I like to look at it like this, where you might see how vibration and sound makes geometric yeah, shapes yeah. out of... Cymatic frequencies. Yeah, that's right. 
and then what happens is, is at one point the frequencies change so high or, or so differently it, ch it completely changes the geometric shape I would imagine that we're in the middle of that change of the geometric shape right now. And it's not an instant thing. A lot of people think it's going to be an ascension, like suddenly we're going to be in the fifth dimension, man. And <laughs> it's going to be awesome, bro. And so that's not, we're in the middle of we that We could shift. if we just dropped a bunch of LSD all over the whole planet. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Everyone, get, like acid rain for real. Let's get your, let's get your shamans out. Everyone has to serve a shaman and 10 ayahuasca sessions. Let's go. <laughs> And that would certainly Fucking change terrifying. the world. That yeah, would change, would the, change world. the world. <laughs> I, I remember I uh, was helping a friend out with a documentary. So we went to his hometown to film. And this is a hometown country, Victoria. Um, and I had had uh, acacia slash ayahuasca maybe the year before. But I've had a bunch of kind of odd alternate states experiences and one of the most distinct feelings I get is this sense of density and I don't know if I could describe it well enough for you to understand but and you you may have felt the same thing but it's this like squishy thickness that feels like I had it once where I had salvia and it felt like I was being squished into a book you know like if you imagine a giant book and I was just being squeezed into it this is this, this like compression and density. Mm -hmm. And um, then the opposite of that, oftentimes when I feel like with acid or something, it's just kind of this expansion, openness, like almost lightness to the point where you dissolve. You don't feel like you're a thing anymore. You're just kind of part of this living, breathing organism that is the reality we're in. Mm -hmm. And then you come back. And when you come back, there's this squishy density, this thickness of being. And um, I remember we drove into the town. And I don't know, just weird fucking drug flashbacks or whatever. But we drove into this town and I just felt the whole town was just this like thick compressed density they were beautiful old buildings that have been there for a really long time but I was like oh my god we are this living compaction of things you know when ideas don't change people don't leave towns they stay where they are mm. ideas don't change it's just this very dense thick it feels muddy almost you know like a very thick mud you're just not making progress nothing's changing it's almost like being inside a little snow globe, inside this little glass world mm. where nothing it's changes. The, the bubbles I was talking about a bit earlier. Yeah. It's, it's like we've got collective unconscious or consciousness, as Jung talks about, um, but we've also got little micro uh, climates of that or macro. So we've got the macro climate. So this is what I sort of teach with um, some of my clients who are interested in more the metaphysical stuff is to when you meditate and you go into self-hypnosis or focus-based states, you can just try and empty your mind um, the best you can and just experience the uh, the flow of not just the first layer, mm -hmm. which is your subconscious um, and unconscious uh, antenna or filtering mechanism. So whatever the, the content, the informational content of that, but then you can move to the collective consciousness of what well, your family stuff, you got your ancestry stuff, you got your genetic yeah. stuff, then you've got your more local area stuff and your, your local environment including all the the agencies and intelligences of your local area then it goes into um, again moving into the collective conscious of humanity but also the collective conscious of this particular ecosystem this particular planet then there's the solar system ecosystem as well it's got its own uh, flavor or frequency of consciousness or information then you can go into more of the cosmic one and then reality itself and then beyond sort of thing. Yeah, so it's a, and then it's like, what the fuck is all that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're getting into a delta stage there and uh, 
good luck if you can maintain long consciousness at that point. <laughs> yeah, it gets, gets really, really deep. But um, that's really interesting. Like in your experience of going deep with people, with individuals, do you find in the same way that Jung found with his um, clinical practice that he kind of started to discover these archetypes, these like just ten- trends? They're you know like psychic linger. Psychic is not the right word I'm looking for. Yeah, what inside our psyche? Would you call that psychic? Because no, when I think of psychic, I think of a crystal ball. Well, there's probably different definitions that you could apply okay. that to. But, yeah. So anyways, within our psyche, there are these like building, characters. Building blocks. Building mm-hmm. blocks, the yeah. archetypes that we all tend to kind of operate within. And he said that that was really indicative of your current state of being, you know, your personality traits and a lot of ways that you're going to fall into traps as you go through your life because you more or less are kind of attracted to these certain types of archetypes. Do you find them in your practice? We're made out of all of the archetypical framework, right? Everything's in us. We've got every single thing in the universe, in reality, in this construct within us, all of it. We've just got more dominant frequencies. Okay. And those dominant frequencies are born out of our astrological um, makeup, numerological, genetic, epigenetic, um, of course going right into your deep metaphysics, the, what I call the energetic blueprint, which other people call the soul. Whatever made you to be born in this particular time and space with these particular epigenetics and genetics, um, with these particular early experiences and parental influences and peer influences and mm. everything that created you in that moment up until the point that you finally had some type of agency to go, holy shit, I'm a separate being and I've been affected in these ways and I want to change myself according to how I want to, which is usually in adulthood. Some people don't really even get to that point in their entire lives, unfortunately. They're very robotic and programmed according to... They have certain type... We all have agency to a certain degree. Free will and agency, well, free will is independent choice. Do we really have independent choice when we're influenced by all those things I just mentioned, including our future as well. Now there's some Mm. um, data coming out of the quantum physical world and uh, parapsychology and whatnot that um, the future is influencing the past at the same time. So, yeah, you know, so, backward causation, so, 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 is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept, isn't it? And so we've been influenced on all these different levels. So do we actually have independent choice? Well, look, I, sort of. I would say that it's yeah, that, that gets a little bit tricky. Agency is a good way, way to say it. Free will is still okay to say it, but you've just got to understand we're highly, highly influenced by yeah. all these factors. So... Um, uh, yeah so that that's all um you know a big part of what we are i can't remember what we were talking about before that though was it the archetype we're still on yeah we were talking about archetypes so i was curious so so dominant frequency so let let me just finish this little bit here is because um on the journey of understanding or appreciating or honoring your connection with connection which is what i call spirituality to me i know that term has been thrown around a lot and it has Mm. been bastardized um, by a lot of people um, who aren't taking their journey of I'm meditating connection. on a mountain on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's still a beautiful word, and I love it. Just like the word God, and just like the word magic, and just like the word soul. I think they're okay. I think they're they're beautiful in their own way, and I still use them according to the context I'm, that I'm in. Um, but the 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 journey of honoring your connection to connection is is spirituality to me. And that can manifest yes, in wow. many different ways. You can look at it as uh, just simply your family and your friends, right? your connection with humanity. You can look at it as ecologically. So 
uh, your environment, local and more uh, global, and also right it to the end of the ecosystem, uh, the universe and back. Then you can look at it quantum physically um, and the metaphysics of it. So how are we intimately interconnected and how does it manifest in all these weird and strange and wonderful ways mm. and also confusing ways sometimes as well because you might have these, you know, I, I woke up to the path of synchronicity first. I was like, that is really strange. Like how can that, that's a reflection of my mind somehow. That, that, that can't be coincidence. But okay, just say it is this is how I first started this. I'm very analytical and I wanted to mathematically rationalize mm. that this was a true connection because otherwise I'm just fucking crazy and it's all in my own head. <laughs> so I went, all right, so the chance of that happening was a million to one. All right. So, and then something else would happen. I go, but that's sort of connected to that as well. So that's like, there's a linkage there. So, so that's a billion to one. And over the time, over, you know, several, really several years of really trying to calculate it properly, I, I just got to the point where I'm like, okay, it's infinity to one. Like I can, I am intimately connected. I cannot break, I cannot, um, as in, with, with all the analysis, I cannot fault it. I'm definitely mm. connected on some weird levels. And through that process, um, and so I actually went on a journey to actually understand this. And that's why I spent probably five years, well, a long time since all that process but I spent a good amount of time really reading up on quantum physics and parapsychology and getting my head around all that sort of data and I was like okay um, I came full circle and I was like oh well this sort of proves that it is all in my own head I, and I am fucking crazy <laughs> but, but, yeah. in a, but in a co-creative type way because yeah. as we discuss discussing prior to this podcast starting it is in our psyche it is a filter of something that we're co-creating and co-participating in, we're certainly um, interconnected on all these deep levels, mm. but ultimately it is that process is filtered through our psyche, which is where we have some sort of uh, agency over the agencies of our world, mm. so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was that journey of going, I need to get that left brain stuff sorted. And now I'm like, okay, for the last sort of five or maybe even a bit longer now, I've been really trying to get the intuitive, instinctual, right brain type stuff to balance it out to get myself into a nice little harmony within my own mm. system. Yeah, because you can't think your way out of everything. Uh, the more thinky thinking, analyzing, you can tie yourself up in knots. And it is, you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. Once you get that balance of oh, sorry, your meditative feeling side with the uh, analytical discerning mind the two of them together are incredibly powerful but one without mm -hmm. the other the right brain only you know, where I tend to live in the world of creativity you just get dis I just you disappear you go off into nothingness and it doesn't make a lot of sense and I've found um, that just the way you put that is so great your connection to connectivity that Ultimately, every time I've spoken to anyone who's ever achieved things or worked on stuff or tried stuff, the time they feel the most at home and uh, powerful in the thing that they're doing is when they're immediately connected to the thing that they're doing. It is that to me is what God is, if there is such a thing. It's like that, and we've called it being present. And I think being present also is another word that's kind of been tainted and thrown around like, you just live one life, yellow, you know, be present, <laughs> do whatever. And it's like, no, 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 that's not, a, that's not the thing. Like the thing is eliminating that filter, filter that your brain has created through needing to be a self or needing to be cool or needing to be a something or having an ulterior motive or whatever. It's that deep, immediate, present connection to 
exactly the thing that you're doing right now. And there's something, I think that's why psychedelics can open that door up because for some reason they just lift those other filters. They do kind of like, they obviously open up a bunch of other filters where you've got all of a sudden you can see different colors and all the crazy shit that goes on. But it's just that, it's to me it feels like being in a bath of warm water. It's like that you've suddenly just sunk in and you're present and you're immediately there. And there's something, I think, universal about that. Every human being can watch a person singing on stage and feel when they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, well said. I, w- I will give you a little pushback, though, mm-hmm. because um, a, big, a big part of my written and presentational work is focused on helping people to be okay with their ego, to actually be okay with their filter. Because if we kill our filter, we kill ourselves. Mm. We, if we want to go back to source and just be source, we can, right? <laughs> go, go ahead. But ultimately, yeah, but there's no the ego, and this is where it comes to this, uh, these definitions, we were talking about the English language prior to the podcast, the ego literally, ideologically, just means I. It just means sense of self. And there's nothing wrong with having an I or a sense of self. It just needs to be a healthy, functional, productive, mm. well-organized, harmonious, honorable, um, brilliant, magical, amazing, beautiful sense of self that um, integrates all of its shadow, yeah. all of the crap in it, the pride, the, the excessive pride, should I say, because there's nothing wrong with a bit of pride either. There's nothing wrong with feeling a little bit jealous sometimes. There's nothing wrong with feeling a bit angry and sad and, and, uh, and discontent and all these other aspects of the emotional spectrum, which are perfectly, absolutely natural. However, if we harbour these, these things in ways that are self-abusive and ways that are um, abusive for those around us, then that's what we need to... Um, resolve we need to mm, face mm. to heal and integrate into our our greater ego our greater psyche um so whilst it is really great to have those moments where you, where the blending of your internal and external worlds happen on these deep ma- magical you've had it we've all had you know, a lot of us have had these mm. amazingly brilliant experiences particularly when it comes to certain psychotropics absolutely um but ultimately we still are co-creating within a uh, a reality where we're not the only thing it's not just one thing yeah it is also many things it isn't just we're, we're all one we're also unique experiences of one and mm. so we need to honor that unique experience of one it's not about killing that unique experience it's about celebrating that and because that's part of our process is about evolution mm. it's about growing and learning and expanding not our consciousness, but our experience of consciousness. Because mm. our consciousness is just consciousness. It is what it is. Consciousness is only, it's just neutral. It's just consciousness. It's just awareness. What we need to do is exp- expand our experience of that instead of, as you were saying prior to the podcast, is limiting ourselves and restricting ourselves with particular activities or way that we interact with our world. What we want to do is continue on that. Basically, the way I look at it is that we want to maximize our growth potential in our reality. Yeah. And our growth potential is, to me, our destiny. It is our energetic blueprint. It is the lessons that we need to learn. So I look at destiny as just a straight line. It's not. It doesn't have to be this particular thing in this particular time and space, and that's it. That's our destiny. That can be a part of it as well. To meet somebody at a particular point of our timeline, that's a part of the destiny, absolutely. But destiny, I look at just a straight line, and I look at um, ego or free will or agency as the as having some sort of influence about how our destiny is created or experienced should i say Mm. or co-created actually so we can either live our our destiny the straight line really smoothly efficiently and effectively 
um, and maximize our growth potential in our life, or we can be very resistant, which is what most people are. That's why they're very sick, mentally and physically, because they're, they're resistant to the change that they need to go through, that their destiny is saying, learn this shit, guys. Like, you need yeah. to learn it. And if you don't learn it, I'm going to come crashing hard. Are you mm. gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna be sore. You're gonna have a lot of. Um, it's gonna get even challenge, more challenging, and more challenging. The more you reject it, mm. and when this happens to people, they might play victim. They might cry, "Poor me! Oh, look what this world gives me!" But you, you, they haven't been authentic to who they are and the evolution that they need to go through. And so you, you are the co-creator of that particular mm. way you had to learn those lessons. And did you learn them? You know, that's the question. Did you actually go through the process and expand your experience of conscious or not? Right, you ready to move the next step forward yet? No or yes. And even when you do eventually, you've probably had this experience where you've had that, you've finally learned the lesson, you've, you've finally got it and you've gone, oh yeah, I, I actually, that's been a theme in my life for quite some time. <laughs> I, I get it now. That. And then later on, it'll come crashing back again. Have you bloody well learned it, Lorna? Come on. Mm. Like, yes, 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 I've learned it. Yes, I have. Yeah, <laughs> no, I have. yeah man. And, and it's funny. It's hard. It's so hard in that moment to listen to yourself. That's the dumb thing about this, I think. And, and meditation's probably been one of the best things possible for me. Muay Thai as well. Being inside my body, using my body as a physical thing that I have to be consciously aware of rather than my head. Because I've uh, typically been an anxious person growing up my whole life in a kind of creative way head world I spent all my time up here in fantasy land and very minimal time inside my body once I brought myself back down inside my body and really focused on like you know having to pay attention to how I move my body to be able to strike properly whatever mm -hmm. it was by spending time inside there I realized that there is a lot of information inside my head at any given point that I have the choice to hear pause listen and act upon or I can just go on autopilot Sometimes you need to be on autopilot. Sometimes it's just important to fucking get through whatever that thing is. Just get keep that going, ego you know? bit out of you out of the way just for a moment to let your body just naturally do what it was trained to do in that yeah. situation. And mm. so it's really interesting to watch how your body has these different states of being. And when you are kind of put yourself in those situations, sometimes they're really hard. Sometimes it takes a lot of fucking work to get to that point to be able to get there. And then all of a sudden you have this little moment. But what I realized is that um, the more I do that and I become kind of aware of my own body and, and the, the different voices that can come into my head, it's, I can hear that thing that says, hey, you're about to do that thing again. You sure you want to do this? And I know that voice sounds a lot different than the other voices that are like, don't do this, you're a piece of shit. Because that's a really strong voice inside my head. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Like that is a very common theme and it's a voice that I've listened to for 22 years of my life and it's taken the last eight years to try and figure out how to stop it from being the dominant voice. But only knowing that there's other options out there, the way that I can, you know, stop listening. It's just your little devil on your shoulder. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then there is the angel. There's give, the other. Give him a bit of a slap around the the bum and get him organized a bit better. <laughs> yeah. I, um, no, shut your mouth. And this is why I like weed so much because weed, to me personally, I've found that having this really dominant uh, doubt voice inside my head that that usually speaks on my behalf and usually drives me forward is all a state of fear. It's all my every doubt, worry, and fear I've ever had in my life since I was four years old exists inside my head as this self. And, and it, it has an answer for every single situation I go into. But when 
and I noticed this from a pretty young age, when I am stoned by myself, I have the opportunity to like make friends with that voice in an odd way. And it sounds really fucking schizophrenic, but I can sit there and be like, ah, I understand why you're here, but you're not necessary. It's okay. I'm, it's all right for me to try stuff. And then that thing in my head's kind of like, yeah, you know, you're right. You're totally right. Mm-hmm. It's fine. We're relaxed. Like, so when I'm stoned, it's like, and I don't mean that I can operate. I don't operate well stoned daily, nine to five day to day. It just doesn't work for me. I've tried that. I've tried to just smoke weed 24 seven to see if that would help me. And it doesn't. It's a, like a diminishing return. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have these beautiful moments where once or twice a week, I can get into this state of being <coughs> where I can reassess where I'm at figure out what voice is acting and which one's not acting. But anyways, and going all the way back to talking about this lesson is that I always have that voice in the back of my head now. I'm completely aware of my kind of intuitive voice that's like, you're going to do this now? And sometimes I'll just drive straight forward and go, yep, I am going to do this. And then it'll be like, ha I didn't learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but fine, I was here to tell you that you know what the right thing to do is in this situation. You're not going to do it, are you? And you're like, nah, no, I'm not today. So fine, fuck it. Go do the mistake. Do mm-hmm. whatever the thing is. Get to feel all the shitty things that you're going to feel later. I'll mm-hmm. still be here. I'm still your friend. It's okay, but you didn't learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. This, uh, these, these are called ego states or subpersonalities mm. in hypnotherapeutic work. Okay. Um, and so we've got all these different um, vo- uh, voices or um, uh, almost like almost like different filters in a sense. And mm, we're sort of mm. integrating, and that's where the ego comes in, the sense of self. It needs to integrate all that into some sort of holistic sort of perspective and one that's able to organise it. It's basically, actually, we'll talk about this now. The um, the ego is like the just the conscious mind. So the conscious mind is like a torch that you might go out into the dark night with. And the dark night is your subconscious. And you can shine your torch wherever you want. So think of a memory of any type that is you moving your light to a subconscious part of your brain. So the, the, the ego, the conscious mind, is interacting with the subconscious all the time in different ways. Um, the conscious is bringing the subconscious to light. And then with, with hypnotherapeutic work, and go deeper into the uh, unconscious and start working on the unconscious process of, of your body, such as um, how you might be responding to... Um, like the echo of pain from a chronic um, pain mm. experience you've had for a long time. The simplest way to do it is, and this is why um, meditation, many meditation practices say to focus on your breathing because you're, you're automatically linking your conscious mind to your unconscious because your unconscious is... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, your breathing you is normally <laughs> unconscious. And so it's the, that's the easiest way to link it straight away. And you're linking it with a singular focus. You just focus singly on your on your um, breathing, and that means you, you've done you've linked that perfectly, and you're automatically going to, into a light trance. And that's how you do it. That's why people, when they are driving along and they are focused so deeply on their thought pattern that they realise they haven't been paying attention to the road for a minute or five yeah. minutes or even longer sometimes and they just get home they're like i don't even remember driving home yeah that's a state of trance it's not necessarily a hypnotherapeutic trance it's not <laughs> might not be one that's good for them because if you're feeding negative thoughts if you're sitting there in that trance feeding the negativity and sending that uh, signal back out in your body brain system then you've done 
bad hypnotherapy or bad self-hypnosis you know if you're doing it in a positive way you're going well you know i'm dealing i'm transmuting or alchemizing particular thought patterns or feeling patterns in a way that's going to be healthy for me then you've done good self-hypnosis essentially you've done therapeutic work on yourself and developmental work on yourself but we have these these there's a, a lot of misconception about hypnosis out there um, I won't go into a massive detail, but I will say that trance is something that we experience every day. In fact, you could argue that we're always in trance at just at different levels of trance. Mm. I won't bother going into, the, into that argument, but ultimately we do slip out of beta alpha states all the time. And sometimes you might even slightly touch on theta um, just in your daily waking, you know, active experience. Um, and it's usually, these things usually happen when you've got singular focuses. Mm. So gardening washing the dishes, uh, watching TV is obviously a very common one, but you're putting yourself in a trance and allowing all of that negativity of the, the not just the frequency, that go right down the, the core frequencies of um, how music um, is designed, such as in the 440 hertz wave, that in and of itself is you're putting yourself in a trance and listening to that, that is bad for you right there. But then there's the news cycle and all the other negativity around the drama and all that, all of that stuff. That you're, you're putting yourself into a trance by zoning in onto the TV, putting yourself in an alpha brainwave state and allowing all that information to wash deep into your subconscious. That's why advertising works so bloody well. Yeah. Because they spend billions of dollars of uh, on advertising. People are in a trance and uh, you're embedding those suggestions of buying those products and they feel like it's free will. It's like, oh yeah, no, I really want that particular car. That's the one I want. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one I need. But everything, gardening, um, riding a bike, exercising, exercising, you know, a lot of people who know when they go for a run, all of these weird thoughts will start popping up. Oh shit, I've got to deal with that issue. Mm. These things are, or everything pops up because you, you're giving yourself a singular focus. Oh, I'm going to run, I'm going to do some exercise. And what happens when you're in that focus based state? The first things come to your mind that the subconscious wants to organize. It's mm. like, you need to deal with this, you need to deal with this, you need to deal with this. Um, and it's up to us to deal with it either therapeutically and developmentally or not. So when that process happens, when a negative thought comes up, do we feed it and charge that and send it back down to the system and say to the subconscious, the body-brain system, yes, that's exactly how you need to be thinking, and then you're training your subconscious to think and feel negatively because of that, or is it negative thought popping up? And as I mentioned at the start, I use the visualization, even just unconsciously at this point, it's not something I need to even do um, on a conscious level because I've done so much meditation on it, is I'd wrap it in a rainbow and say, see you later, bitch. You're back. <laughs> you go back down to my system and say, no, 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 you've got a deeper badass philosophy to, to, uh, to think about these things in. Yeah. And I will, and, and that I'll give that, that, uh, that secret now. One of the best things you can possibly do for yourself is think through the lens, feel, think and feel through the lens of gratefulness. Simply, simple gratitude, because it's not just a, a, an emotion, it's a philosophy as well. And if you can just be grateful for your whole life, your whole existence, regardless of whatever the roller coaster ride of happiness and sadness throws at you, then you're you're um, a way you're, you're filtering all of your experience through a very very powerful and healthy lens, essentially. So I've heard a lot about this, and I've heard there's actually been a lot of research done too about how good gratitude can be. But I find um, that. To be cynical, I guess, and to really, I don't know, man. I struggle with gratitude. I really, I find uh, 
a lot of times it feels corny. It feels inauthentic because I'm not sure. I either that I can't. F- am am I that fucking damaged that I can't feel gratitude? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I don't understand. Why can I not authentically? I do have moments of it for sure. Like there are, and I appreciate everybody in my life. I appreciate elements of my life, but I think I appreciate is easier for me to say that I'm grateful for, and I don't know why. Like, what is that filter? What stops us from being authentically grateful? Well, that's up to each individual person, the dynamics of your past, and whatever. A lot of a lot of our traumas stem back into um, before two years of age, or even into the fetus. That's most of our neurology is built within the first two, three years of our existence, including as a baby in the tummy of mum. And so whatever mum's going through, where that she's wiring that child like that. So if she's very stressed, um, that's a, you've already wired stress into the into the child. A lot of our traumas do go back to there. So I, I don't know the answer to your personal story. But what I will say is that I had depression for... Uh, over 10 years as a teenager and a young adult and it was mortifying I went through a process of going through the synchronicity first and then so starting to connect with my connection and just going wow this is really magical part of existence but now that I've done this I am fucked up I've got Mm. so much dysfunction within me um, really poor functionality and productivity on many levels I need to deal with this it took me years and years to really come to into my at least into my moment and go part part of the job of the journey of awakening because we don't wake up a lot of people within the spiritual community which i was going to say before believe they're awake and i don't feel that's helpful i think that's actually quite restrictive because yeah it's condescending well yeah if we feel we're awake then we're that means there's no more nothing else to be done Mm. and a lot of people within the conspiratorial culture they believe they're awake about you know reality but they haven't even looked at metaphysics a lot of people in the metaphysics uh, communities or spiritual communities believe they're awake, but they haven't even looked at the material world. There is so much to be more conscious of. And so the way I look at it is just, it's a journey of expanding our experience of consciousness. Again, it's not about waking up. It's not about being awake. It's about waking up. Sure, you can yeah. go on a journey of that waking up. Um, not just. It's not about just finding yourself. It's also about co-creating yourself, creating yourself along that, that line. Yeah, of constant destiny. evolution meet that growth potential keep keep manifesting your growth potential but going back to the um uh the body brain system so for the for for the audience out there i'm not sure they're they're aware but we have neurology runs right through our body oh actually and i'll just write down gratefulness because i do want to get to your question too oh good we've got all i've got all these things i want to go back to because (laughs) we haven't actually completed a lot so i promise i'll get to everything before we wrap this up um but uh gratefulness for me was okay well phil you're starting to connect and you're starting to see the the magic of life and the brilliance of life and the majesty of life and even the mystery of life um but you are really messed up so what are you going to do about it and for me it was simply just falling on being grateful because i looked at it and went well you know you're not over in africa or in a developing country starving and um, you know, just managing. You're only. You're not just managing to survive. You could easily thrive if you design your life that way. You're not in these circumstances. I, I did a. It was a very rudimentary way of doing it, but it was about comparison. It was like, mm, well, my life ain't that bad. So suck it up, princess. You should be grateful yeah. for what you've got. 
that that was that was plain and simple to me just be grateful mate you appreciate what you've got it could be so much worse it could be better sure but you're sort of in control of making it better mate so instead of winching just get up and, and sort it out sort of thing and so that was where I first started that process of, of being really grateful for everything I had, regardless of um, uh, the the uh, challenges, the the challenges of the roller coaster of sadness and happiness in my life. And through the process of gratefulness, I found contentment. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I can actually just be at peace with everything. And so it's not actually about happiness, Phil, because you could instantly be sad very quickly with a traumatic event, like a death of somebody you love or many, many things. You could be sad very quickly. You could be grieving very quickly, but you could be at peace whilst you're grieving. You can be okay with the fact that you are um, going through life, which is a roller coaster. And, you know, that's part of the cycle of experience, life and death cycle, the process. So, um, you just be content with the fact that that is part of it and this is your this particular part of the cycle within your own experience and so gratefulness and contentment were, for, were absolutely massive for me and I was able to melt away all of my because a lot of it was expectations a lot of it was poor me it was victim mentality yeah I think that's where a lot of it stems from again Mm. is expectation exactly expectation unrealistic expectations mm. a lot of people have this with uh, relationships mm-hmm. they have they put these unrealistic expectations on their partners or on their potential partner and how they're organizing their uh well do i do i feel connected to this person enough to want to continue a relationship with them yeah um but are they stepping up themselves are they actually meeting these expectations within themselves first and foremost and the majority of the time, it's a no. It's mm. a, you are not stepping up. You, you've, you've got these expectations on the people around you, but you're not even meeting them in your own life. So once again, how can you attract that which you're not? How can you love if you can't even love yourself? Yeah. How can you uh, um, expect people around you to be acting a certain way if you're not that yourself, if you're not functional like that as yourself? So that's why it's really important to go back within I think you uh, said this before really well. A lot of the work I do with my clients is helping them to, um, especially when it comes to empathy and instinct, and I'll get, I wanted to touch on this part as well. A lot of my clients are outwards and they're, they're really interacting with the world and to the point where they've got toxic empathy. Um, they're, they're, the way that they're connecting with the energy of their experience is causing them harm. They're mm-hmm. letting stuff into their system, different types of frequencies of information into their system that is toxic and they're, they're harboring that in, the, in them. And so I'm helping a lot of people to bring it back into themselves, but themselves, like just at least find out what your unique bubble of experience is, integrate that, organize that in a way that's going to be healthy for you to be at least ground yourself, center yourself, understand what you are, understand what you need to or reorganize both consciously and unconsciously and subconsciously within yourself to make you into a coherent being. You need to get your layers of health into coherence. Physical, uh, it's not just physical and mental. You've got physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual, philosophical, intellectual, behavioral, recreational, creational, uh, relational, social. We've got a heap of layers of self that we need to make sure we're healthy in. Mm. And, and sexual is another big one. Sex is a really toxic part of our society. Porn for men and control issues for women in general. It can swap over, of course. It's not, that's a, more of a, a generalisation. 
Mm. But that's a massive one. And so we could be really healthy physically, but we could be toxic on all these other layers of our health. Wow, yeah. So it's so important for us to, to understand our different layers of who we are, um, work out what's good, what we've got pretty down pat, and uh, which ones we don't, which ones we've got to organise. And then the whole point is to get ourselves into coherence through all those layers the best we can, which means we're, we're incoherent of our moment. Because the point isn't just to... Um, to wake up and that's it, we've reached the peak of the mountain, everything's done. The point is to become as, as, as most aligned and attuned to our moment right here, right now, the best we can, mm. which means we've dealt with most of our past crap. We're not having stupid, unrealistic, romanticised feelings of our future. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with desiring and, and having an objective and a general way of where we should go and all the rest of it. And there's nothing wrong with having respect for our path, past and learning lessons and all that sort of stuff. But it needs to be, again, that harmony thing that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And so getting really connected to your moment is is what the waking up process is about. It's about real coherence in your moment and then what's your next challenge? Yeah, what's, cool. What else is going to happen in your future? And then align to that, attune to that and um, master that. Yeah, your, and bring all those layers with it. That's really interesting. I haven't heard it put that way. That's a really good point. What Can you... Is there um, a way of identifying like symptoms of illness within those layers? Like, so you talked about all of the kind of various kinds. How do they show up? How do you know that you need to do work on a particular layer? Well, I mean, that's just introspection. That's just being authentic. And, and again, authentic is another word that's been thrown around a lot lately. Oh, yeah. And it's, it sucks because it's that's really good being honorable and authentic to yourself first and foremost is so so important so you've just got to be honest with yourself you've just got to be truthful you've got, if you're going to lie to yourself and bullshit yourself through reality then that's what you're going to do and that's going to, you're going to be incoherent you're not going to be connected with who you truly are yeah. so it's up to each individual to work that out for themselves it's just the symbols can manifest in infinite ways it's not, it's not, it would, it be, would you say it would be something like, you know, that voice coming up being like, are you going to learn this lesson? And you don't learn the lesson. Like, so would, if you feel, maybe you notice yourself doing a pattern that feels uh, unhelpful or you feel bad, you experience shame, maybe something like that. Like, are those kind of triggers that should, like, yes. I'm just thinking for a person who probably has spent no time thinking about themselves, but they're, they don't feel content they don't feel comfortable or they're suffering from anxiety or they're stopping themselves from doing cool shit that they want to be doing and they're not doing it like are there little tangible steps like little signposts for somebody to start looking for in their own life to help them to start to uncover where those issues are yeah i think you nailed it with the patterns because okay if you all got similar patterns that happen in your life which end up with more or less the same sort of result such as a relationship breakdown around this particular issue and maybe you need to do look at yourself and go, well, how am I a co-participant in that? I'm the, I'm the common denominator in this pattern because it keeps <laughs> yeah. happening to me. So maybe there's something within me that I need to resolve instead of blaming my partners or blaming whatever it may be. Whatever the, yeah. I, I call this blamism. Um, people who um, push the responsibility of consistent these things that consistently happen into their lives onto something else, so government-related partners, parents... Uh, friends, whatever it may be, just experience it's it's God's fault. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've got to bring it back into yourself, and it might be just you're the harboring the conditions within you to manifest those realities, like I talk, we talked about earlier with the. That is such an interesting mm -hmm. idea. Would you mind explaining that again? That's such an interesting concept. So there's parasites of the body, 
as parasites of energy, as parasites of the non-physical realm, just as, as there is for the, um, the the physical realm. And those parasites aren't necessarily evil or bad or anything like that. They're just they're just thing. They're just agencies of life. They're intelligent organisations of information, essentially. Um, that you either ha- are providing the conditions for them to be housed in you or not. Right. Mm. Sometimes you can be infected on a physical realm, and you might be, you know, just take the wrong thing, and because um, you're not aware, there's certain um, when you get aware, you take certain medicines, or you, you 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 make sure that you're caring for yourself in particular ways, so your immune system can just go about and sort that out. Sure, that's the same on that realm as like well. Like a flu, or yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But ultimately, um, we can we can heal any of these sorts of. Or, or remove, or um, transcend, or um, all many ways to describe it, um, to to ensure that we're not harboring those things within us anymore. And that is about setting up the right conditions within ourselves through meditation or through taking certain medicines or whatever whatever it happens to be. Yeah, and so you can. So if you are kind of like consistently harboring these like toxic negative thoughts, if you it, that is kind of an interesting way to. Uh, visualize it as this thing that it's not it's not something that's attached itself to you like you don't have a demon that needs exercising in a way it's like what conditions have I created to allow this thought to grow and blossom inside me it will naturally go it it will naturally go if you do take care of yourself in the right way but this sort of gets down to what I was going to talk about before the body brain system is that we have a heart brain of about 40,000 neurons and nerve cells. So mm-hmm. the heart is literally a little miniature brain. Wow. Our tummy has 100 million neurons or nerve cells. And it is actually, um, like it's called the tummy brain or the second brain or the little brain. That's what the scientists call it. And it's got 100 million neurons. So it's about 1% uh, the computer power, uh, the, the size of the computer power of the big cerebral brain. So it's got 100 billion neurons. in, But... Ultimately, this is still an independent brain um, uh, analyzing and concluding from environmental stimuli, the information from our environment. The cerebral brain and the tummy brain used to be the one thing in the fetus about a month into development. And then at a certain stage, it they separate to become two independent brains, still connected by the uh, spinal cord, the nervous system, all the rest of it. But these are different information processing centers in our body. They have neurology, they have, um, in fact, most of our neurochemicals, transmitters and whatnot, um, are created in our tummy. So serotonin, dopamine, all this sort of stuff. When people feel that they've got gut instinct or gut feeling, they literally have gut a gut feeling because wow. there is literally a brain there. Right? That's <laughs> wow. phenomenal. So that's why a lot of anxiety comes from the tummy because of, we're not li- we don't listen to our guts. We don't listen to our heart. When people feel heartbroken, it's because... They, their heart literally feels like it's a brain that's weeping and crying. Wow. That's amazing. In fact, the heart is nowhere near as powerful as the other brains in terms of processing information. But it is, well, uh, there's different ways of looking at that, but ultimately it's a, a, mo- our heart brain has an electromagnetic field um, 5,000 more t- uh, times more powerful than our cerebral brain. So when you hear about our electromagnetic field actually going out around our bodies, which is about eight feet or something like that, quite large, we are actually interacting with our environment all the time on an electromagnetic level. We're passing information just like you and I. We're sitting close enough 
for our fields to be connecting. And so we're passing wow. information on that level alone. Is um, that what would you would be described like if you feel a vibe from someone? Yes. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Huh. So that, that's intuition. Or again, I, I would look at it as more intuition of the heart instinct of the tummy, something like that. Um, but, but all this information is being fed throughout our system and the, all three brains and your whole body brain eventually uh, comes into some sort of coherence or alignment and bubbles up a message to our consciousness. Right, so this is where it gets interesting. So um, the science, some scientists have put people in, in MRI machines and they've said to them, what is the end, what, what do you believe, left or right, yes or no? So they've asked them a question. And the researcher is able to predict up to 10 seconds uh, prior to that person being consciously aware of them making a decision. So essentially the body is making decisions all the time in our unconscious before we're consciously aware of it. And then right before it bubbles up to our conscious awareness, we either agree with the decisions of the body and say, yes, I'm going to perpetuate that. Or we've got this small opportunity of a window of opportunity where we'll say, no, I want to think differently. And this is where hypnotherapy comes in because the body's brains are making decisions based on experiences, trauma, its beliefs, its philosophies, um, the, uh-huh. whole, the whole lot, right? So it, it's patterns, it's programs, it's habits. And what our job is, to, if we want to change, people might go, right, this New Year's resolution, I'm going to A, B, and C. And most of the time, they fail. And the reason why they fail is because they might have within their their torch that is moving their light around their subconscious, they, their torch might have said, I agree, I'm making this, these changes, these choices, but they haven't changed the entire darkness, the entire subconscious of their body. Yeah. And so the whole point, uh, if, if you're determined enough, if you're strong enough, committed, your discipline is there, you will send that signal down into your body-brain system over and over and over again, repeat, 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 I'm changing, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to give up smoking or whatever it may be. And that is like an inefficient way of changing your body-brain system. The, the most efficient way to do it is through meditation or self-hypnosis or seeing a hypnotherapist such as myself because we're hacking in from the bottom up. Yeah, we're, right. we're shutting down that critical mind. We're basically switching off the torch for a little bit or lowering, dimming, you know, dimming it down. And uh, we're going straight into the darkness and we're, we're embedding the new instructions, the new suggestions into the darkness of the subconscious and, and the unconscious. And we're saying, this is the new pattern. And I literally say, this is the new pattern. This is like, I'm creating a tunnel. I'm slicing straight through all of it. I'm embedding this to your core. What you'll do is you'll listen to a recording of it for the next week or two and reinforce that, that new pattern deep in your core. And I'll give you some techniques from the top down so uh, to intervene when the old pattern wants to re-manifest because the old pattern will keep re-manifesting and you've, you've got to respond with a particular way to reinforce the new pattern that I've just embedded into you. Yeah, wow. Oh, that's so interesting. That's how it works. Think about it like this. This is a good analogy. The old pattern, the, the ha- the, just say it's the habit of stress or anxiety. It's like a well-worn path through the jungle and it's very easy for if some environmental stimuli pops up that is stressful for you, for the neuro, neurology to take that path, yeah. which is stress, anxiety, bad, feeling crap, cortisol, adrenaline release, bam, stress response and the response system in hyperdrive, not good for the system. What hypnotherapy or self-hypnosis does is essentially get a bulldozer and just create a new path through the jungle, right? Yeah, yeah. If you did it yourself through meditation, well, meditation can be much quicker, but if you're doing it yourself through just simple um 
top-down changes, you basically got to got to get out a machete and chop your Hack new path it, yourself, yeah. right? And then eventually, when the new triggers the 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 triggers from new experience come up, um, you you've either got to you you'll you'll either have to grab your machete and start keep chopping a new path until the point where if you're in, uh, determined enough, you will create that new path, and the old path will eventually grow over. over. So that's where self hypnosis, meditation, hypnotherapy can come in, create your new path pretty quickly, and just keep repeating that, repeating that, and the mm. old path will grow over really quickly, and suddenly you've got a new default response to your environmental stimuli. That's yeah. really what it is. You basically train yourself to have what what do I want as my response to my reality? Do I mm. want to be anxious? Or not if you don't want to be anxious well you've got to create your body brain system like that yeah. now again there's nothing wrong with stress there's nothing wrong with fear there's nothing wrong with anger or any of these things sadness all part of the spectrum of emotion no problem at all but if our stress response system is overly activated um for, especially for many years which many people go through we go for you're um, flooding your system with cortisol and adrenaline all these things that are great in short term but long term they're causing destruction so stress is literally the cause or source, or ongoing stress is the source of so many diseases out there and symptoms, because that's just a symptom of that problem. So yeah. it, might, it might manifest according to whatever your genetic sequencing is. And this is another side story. Genetics used to be thought about as set in stone. Perfectly, that's it. You've, you've got your genetics, that's it. That's not true. There's something called epigenetics. And what that means is that your environmental stimuli activates or deactivates certain genetic uh, genes and certain genetic sequences. Mm -hmm. right? So just because you might have a susceptibility to having a particular disease because it's part of your family tree, doesn't mean you'll, you'll have that. You'll, you might have some circumstances that either activate that gene, like trauma or whatever, or you'll have experiences that deactivate that gene, such as meditation and healthy eating and a healthy life sort of thing yeah. so we've got control about all that sort of uh, relatively control uh, you know pretty strong control if we're treating ourselves like crap we're going to get crap results if we're treating ourselves quite well we're, we're going to get quite yeah. good results it's interesting when you think about that on a grand scale like on a larger scale systematically it does kind of make sense to me why we are so sort of overall destructive because our individual choices often are instantly gratifying but overall destructive and we operate in that state all the time like i i i'm i i find it amazing that we can't see that killing the entire amazon rainforest to make lipstick is a bad idea do you know what i mean like it's so fucking stupid it's like to get more palm oil to make more lipstick we can we are going to re remove the lungs of the planet you can make it with him yeah, no, make it with him. Everything can be done with him. Yep, we'll get to that but, in a moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that's kind of where probably a good place to, oh, I think, what time did we finish? Oh, yeah, my God, we've talked for an hour and 15 minutes. So this would be a good way to finish this, is on this individual scale, we are so susceptible to these patterns of self-destruction. We don't seem, we can't seem to see past the instant gratification to the end result. And that's why it's magnified in our greater culture as well that it's okay for us to just destroy the planet because for some dumb reason we can't see on the other side of it what's your thought on that and like how do we collectively come together to start making some tangible changes well i think this comes down to um your question before about what our collective goals should be and yeah. I, I did want to make sure i circle back to it yeah because um we do need everybody on our on the same team the best we can we need we kept we need to work with the people in the system we need to work with the people outside of it uh, you know in terms of the actual 
governmental system and all the rest of it, corporate systems. Um, I think it's important that we look at, at humanity as a team. Um, even though there's some bad eggs within the team, I think we need to look at it as we're all going through our own individual stage of development and we're at a certain stage um, at our own levels, regardless, you know, not just about the holistic level, but also different levels, as I was talking about before. We might be really strong philosophically, but really unhealthy physically or something, for example. Yeah. Um, so it's important that we just accept each other the best we can and just be um, okay with each other, knowing that we are on the same team, even though we're at our own stage of development, both individually and collectively, we're at our own stage of development as well. And so um, I think we can be a bit forgiving, a bit more forgiving towards ourselves as, as a species as well, because if you have a look at it over the course of our history, we have a very bloody history. Yeah. We've got a lot of collective karma to deal with. We've got individual karma, we've got collective karma, and we're still babies. I just I don't look at us as an advanced civilization at all. We're nowhere near that. Um, I think we're just just sort of coming to self-awareness right now. Yeah. In fact, there are some people who are aware, they're self-aware, they're self-aware. Or, or they're aware, they're aware, they're self-aware. Most people are at the stage of self-awareness. Even some animals have a, a level of self-awareness. Um, I think the next stage of that is being aware that you're self-aware, and that's when you can start being very introspective and philosophical, and you can keep going on that process. I think humanity in general is just coming to the fact that they're aware, they're self-aware. Yep. So I think okay. that's the level we're at. That means we're still babies and we've got a long way to go. So we can be forgiving about that. But we are at a critical point in our history. I do believe we are at a fork in the road. Humanity has now um, interconnected on a planetary scale and we are sharing information instantaneously through the in internet and that has been a cause of massive explosion of consciousness and information on many many different levels fantastic tool but it's also been a curse on many levels as well the internet was originally decentralized now it is centralized now it is, most traffic goes through particular big tech sites and all the rest of it and therefore information control is coming down that's where this the censorship issue has been coming up and just mm. for a quick response to censorship we need an internet bill of rights immediately and we also need to have uh, transitioned the Australia Post Network to the digital age. Um, it's one of its original mandates was to ensure the free flow of information in case we've got a dictatorial government that manifested so that we could organise to revolt against it. We need to make sure that we do that to the, to the digital age now, which means building in software and hardware packages into the Australia Post framework to ensure that we're circumnavigating for, uh, censorship and maintaining free speech through different social media, media, emails, um, services, all that sort of stuff. That's very important as we move forward. Um, mm. But yeah, we're, we're getting to the point where we're in the fork in the road. And we're, it's just it's an amazing time to be alive. It's a, it's a massive moment in human history. And we've probably done this over and over and over again. It's not the first time. We've probably got many ancient uh, civilizations that have, have reached the peak and fallen. And, and not only that, within this particular timeline, but there's probably an infinite amount of timelines we've done this over and over and over again as well. Yeah. That's why I just look at this as just one big metaphysical game of madness, magic, and mystery. And to really enjoy the mystery, to really enjoy the magic, and even enjoy the madness because we're all a bit fucking crazy right yeah. we've all got a little bit of that in us but ultimately speak um, yourself, <laughs> but ultimately we uh it's important that we do take care of ourselves and do the integration and coherence process within ourselves um and honor ourselves so that we can go out and give a proper service so i call it the uppercase s service or the spiritual service very important that we do care and we've got an obligation 
to give back once we've given to ourselves that way. It's finding a balance between selfishness and selflessness. Very, mm. very important. But ultimately, this comes back to the collective goals. We're now um, at a point collectively where we've got to make a choice or several choices. Do we want control or do we want freedom? Do we want centralization or do we want decentralization? Do, do we want totalitarianism and authoritarianism or do we want um, individual and national sovereignty? And do we want monopolization or do we want localization? So if we focus, and, and you'll never not have any type of authoritarianism. We live in a you know, black, white, yin, yang. There is a dual, dual aspect. We're a one thing, we're a two thing, we're also everything else. We're rainbows of colors of manifestation, all, all these different levels. Um, and so it's, but it is important to understand that, um, the, the, yes, there's always going to be a little bit of craziness and evil and, you know, all, all the rest of it in the world. Um, negativity and whatnot, that's just the construct that we're in on, on one layer. Um, and so we're never going to get rid of that. Why? You wouldn't want to either. But we are going into a, an imbalanced point where this centralization, monopolization is, is actually eating away at humanity. It's eating away at our planet. Um, it's eating away at our um, our soul on many levels. And so we need to have an effective response. That effective response is the opposite. It's not rocket science to me. It's just we've got to do the opposite of what the problem is. Mm. And so that can manifest in many, many um, types of ways. Um, but ultimately, it is about freedom. It is about sovereignty. And it is about having that honour for that and designing our social system. And ultimately, that's what everybody wants. Everybody just wants to be, you know, respected and left alone and do their own thing. And ultimately, that's what um, natural law is, is that each individual has the su supreme authority over themselves while still being held accountable for doing no harm unless in self-defense, right? We should all be respecting that mm. principle, first and foremost. It gets a bit grey area here and there, sure, when it comes to, well, if you self-harm, are you causing harm to your family, friends, and stuff like that? There's, there's always nuances to these sorts of things. But as a general principle, it is really important that we, we respect that. And that needs to be encoded deeply into our social system. So on, on a planetary stage, we've got a whole host of concerns, um, all of these um, big big issues. Um, are, we're, again, we're still babies, but we've got some pretty advanced weaponry and stuff. Yeah. They're, they're things that we need to consider. Um, but I think that in Australia, we've got an opportunity to um, really be a leading lights a guy a shining light on the world stage because we used to have for starters we used to have monetary sovereignty and a national uh, uh, public bank which was the commonwealth bank of australia between 1912 and 1923 it was operated as a true um more or less most a lot of that time it was operated as a uh, the the best example of a public central bank we've ever had in this reality. And what that essentially means is that it's not socialism, it's not communism. What it means is that instead of owing, borrowing money off private banking cartels and having and owing debt to them, we just issue the credit ourselves. Because what is money? It's just a faith-based system. And therefore, the Australian dollar is literally created by the Australian people. We are, we are the creators of the currency but we are just loaning it off private banking cartels. It makes absolutely no sense. So the system we have right now is that the um, we basically are in, the bankers and the oligarchs and the monopolies 
they're enriching themselves through the system. That's it. We're, they create money out of nothing. All your mortgages, all your loans, all your mm-hmm. uh, credit card debt, all of that is new money. It didn't come from a new account anywhere else. The bankers create that money and then you pay it back. They re-wipe it from the system so that money no longer exists. It's just deleted off a spreadsheet, essentially. And uh, they get to keep the profits. So we can actually do that ourselves like we used to when run by Dennison Miller. Dennison Miller is, a, is one of Australia's greatest unsung heroes. He, he, what he did in those years was phenomenal. And he, there will be a documentary that will be made about him one day. I can't wait to see that. Somebody out there, bloody make it because uh, he's a, just an a, absolute legend what he did for our country. And we will be going back to that model. We will be going back. There is so much um, expansion happening within Australia. There's so many patriot movements coming together. There's so many people who are very, very concerned about the issue where we're going into this global dictatorship, this global government, this global uh, currency, whatever they're trying to do, these multi-billionaires, if not trillionaires, who created these uh, international corporations such as the World Bank, the IMF, the UN, um, all of it, all of it's linked, the BIS, the Bank of International Settlements. These people, if they wanted to do the right thing by humanity, we would have a whole different world. Mm-hmm. They have proven with the results on the ground that they don't give a fuck about us. They give a fuck about themselves. That is very clear just by looking at the, the real, how our reality is unfolded, including the desecration of our environment. We've known about hemp for a long time. We've been using it for bloody uh, thousands of years. Mm. We can It's a superfood. They can feed our world straight away. Everybody, all these developing nations, they just need to start growing their hemp. They don't need petrochemicals or very little. Need a third of the amount of water as uh, cotton. Um, It is a a food that could literally heal the world very, very quickly, feed the world very, very quickly. And not only that, can build our houses, our cars. It's the strongest plastic, 10 times stronger than bloody um, steel is hemp plastic. it is, you can create your clothing, your, as I said, your buildings, basically everything. Just, yeah, hemp can do so it's much. Unbelievable. It's fucking amazing. I know, it's actually incredible. And it's all been submerged basically just because of money. Because, yeah. of, because of the cotton industry, because of the pharmaceutical industry, because you can create your own medicines with it. And also the petrochemical industry because they didn't need fertilizers and, and sprays and whatnot. Mm. So they're the three industries that, that um, stole hemp from us. And if these world systems and institutions really cared about humanity, they would reverse that a long, that. long time ago. Hemp strayer, mate. I'm really looking forward <laughs> to it. it. It's uh, it's a, cool, it, it is going to be a huge revolution for Australia. And if we do this, if we get uh, our our public bank back on a national scale and have a decentralised network of local public banks as well, those local public banks instead of enriching private bankers and shareholders, most of which are overseas, go overseas anyway, we can start feeding that money, that profit, that interest back into their communities to deal with homelessness, poverty, um, uh, all your socioeconomic issues, drug yeah, addiction, yeah, you name it. Right, we, can, yeah. we can start dealing. We've got the money to do that. And so we can, we, we've got to make sure. They, they're pre, that's pretty much the one-two punch of bringing the power back to the people. Cool. And uh, we've got an exciting future to, 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 to look forward to but we do need to work together and we do need yeah. to focus on these core infrastructural changes that we need, public banking and hemp, and also on the principal changes that we need. We need to start respecting people's freedom. Let them do whatever the fuck they want. Stop getting in people's way. People can do whatever the hell they want as long as they're not causing harm. Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit what they do? I don't understand why people care so deeply about what other people want to do. Just You yeah. can do whatever you want, just don't cause harm. 
That's it. Yeah. And then and then we'll all get along just fine. <laughs> yeah. If um people want to take action right now, if you got um or find you, find out more about what you're doing, uh, I found you originally through Revive Australia. They're a group. What else is there? Well, I've got my um, websites. Uh, healbyhypnosis.com is my hypnosocotherapeutic website. I do both um, face-to-face sessions in my clinic here in Coffs, uh, but also online services as well. So if you're interested in that, go there. Um, one of my websites as well, pushingthetippingpoint.com. It's just got a whole host of information. I've, I've been up there for several years. Um, all of my articles. I've been fortunate enough to write for some really big international platforms and reach into the millions and millions of people through my articles. So I've, cool. I, I was really fortunate to get a lot of information out there uh, before the this agar- algorithms and the algorithms got a hold of the independent media over recent yeah. years and absolutely destroyed many, many good uh, platforms uh, because they, they were telling the truth. So that's, that's quite unfortunate. But... Um, yeah, look, again, this is this why we need to circumnavigate censorship. That's, this should be a big focus of ours. Um, but yeah, that, that website, my YouTube channel is Dissect Media, um, as is my podcast. I'm a, I'm a bit relaxed about it all. I don't put up content all the time. I just do yeah. it when I feel like I need to. Um, Revive Australia is an outfit that was born out of the Australian chapter of the Yellow Vest movement. Um, we basically were focusing on all these sorts of things, um, I'm just you know one contributor to that process, and basically we we want to help revive Australia ultimately, and and we need to make sure that we understand how the system has been scammed to unscam it, and that's cool. essentially what we what we're focusing on, and helping people to essentially in this election to be smart with their vote, and look it, it's not there's not perfect candidates everywhere. I mean, I, I recommend people to check out the Great Australian Party, which is um, they've got candidates for the, for the Senate right around Australia. They want to return back to our constitution, which given it's the, the book that gives the authority for a government to exist in the first place, <laughs> if the government aren't adhering, if the people in the government, should I say, aren't adhering to that rule book, then it's ultimately treason, right? So that, that needs to be sorted out. If that constitution yeah. isn't being respected, as the Great Australian Party <laughs> argues, we need to resolve that. Um, and But ultimately, just make sure that you vote for um, uh, for anything against this two-party system because it's the two-party system, including Greens and Nationals, that have been hijacked by the international banking and uh, corporate structures that have got their deep state shadow government advisors and lawyers and accountants and all these people behind the scenes who are influencing our politicians in a bad, bad way. Mm. We, are now ha- we now have a foreign occupation of Australia. That's literally what's happened through the UN and through other uh, banking, um, uh, the, the, we've been sucked into the international banking cartel and a whole host of stuff. And so we need to regain our sovereignty and do it for not just us, but the entire world. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure.